Hallelujah. Good morning, church. You glad to be in the house? Good, 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 good. Praise the Lord. You got your Christmas shopping done? If a man just, I just saw a man nod his head no. That is trouble. I'm just going to tell you right now that you are in, because a man really only shops for one person. We, we know that. So the, in most of our homes, I don't know. So in most of our homes. And so if you don't have that one person bought, hello, you are in trouble. Or if you're buying the wrong thing or if you're depending too deeply on Amazon. I won't tell you what came last year. I'm sure she even saw the charge. But she didn't know what the charge was for exactly. And so, you know, and, and it could have been some, I mean, you know, we've had multiple discussions over that which was coming. But then that night it came and, and no, it wasn't a negligee or something weird like that. But it, but it, but it was something extremely dumb. I won't tell you what it was. Uh, and cheesy. And so this year I have had the best year of hints I've ever experienced in my life. She has literally, she's literally, uh, she's had to get like massage on the muscle of the left eye from winking at me at various locations. <laughs> And she planned special shopping trips just to walk around and show me things that she would like and then wink. This could work out really good here. I, I, I want to tell you something. I really like this. And like I'm still like, oh, that's cool. She's like, no, you dumb buffalo. The cr- Christmas is coming. Oh, let me write that down. So I'd pull out my little notes and write it down or take a picture or something, you know. So, but I did, I did work out a, I did work out a pretty good surprise system this year. Uh, I used cash. So she actually has not seen the charge come through. Hallelujah. So she doesn't really even know what she's getting. This is good because I've been getting worried. I've been really getting worried. But if, if this is the case, I have not seen, and I've been, you know, Amazon has its order history right there. So, <laughs> but it sounds like we're going to have a good Christmas. What do you think? That's why you've been asking me those funny questions. Ah, yes, now we know. I do have, I do, I'm famous for hiding things before Christmas and not being able to find them before Christmas. Some of you others have done that. Brain surgery is, there's a reason we have espresso machines here at the church, I'm telling you what. So, so this year though, I hid something really special for her and, uh, and then she actually was kind of out in that area of the home. So then I was nervous. Did you find it? Tell the truth in front of the whole church. In the name of Jesus, tell the truth. You didn't find it? Glory to God. This is going to be so fun. 
And I, I, I'll be honest, I spent more money than usual this year, too. It's kind of like night of giving. Usually I've got a $10 limit. I've got to be careful. Don't want her to get a big head. But this year we splurged. Went out there. Went all the way up to 20 bucks, honey. This is going to be one exciting Christmas right now. Yeah, you hear that? I feel a little bit of... Something coming upon me right there. All right, praise the Lord. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about... Uh, uh, wow, a couple things. When Chris was up here, minister, I love Chris uh, because the anointing on him is so good and rich and prophetic. And while he's ministering, just, you know, things are hitting me. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. maybe we'll get to that at the end. It was just hitting me. Uh, we just, we want you refreshed in the house this morning. Amen. Just say refreshed. And uh, we're just coming out of every, you know, we, we drive in from all over the place and we're coming out of every kind of situation and difficulty and who knows what we're going through and really only you kind of know what your heart is dealing with. But we want you to know, God wants you to know that he's in love with you, that he has hope for you, that Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that he has good in mind for you. Psalm 139, I love that, that his, his thoughts toward you can't even be counted. The sum of them is, it can't be counted. Things that he's already written about you romantically uh, as he's written about your days and written about good for you. And, and, you know, the theme of restored life as we've kind of been shifting the theme this last year and kind of working on some of that, uh, we've just felt God saying that he wants to get you back on plan A. And, and that's just something that we've been getting out there and just trying to get out there on the airwaves, that, that God wants to get you back on plan A. And no matter what's happened, no matter what circumstance, difficulty, problems, uh, what detours, what has come your way, God wants to get you back on plan A. Will you believe that with me? Will you believe that with me? Come on, will you believe that with me? Open up, open up your heart right now to hope because you, you have already said or the enemies said to you that you're stuck on plan B. You're going to have to settle for plan C, uh, that you've, you've made so many mistakes. This is, you're probably on plan D, but God wants to get you back on plan A. He's a plan A God. And you have to know that he's good enough, that he's, that he's powerful enough, that he's gracious enough, he's merciful enough to do it. How many of you will believe that? I'm, I'm going to say with the scriptures that with him there is nothing that is impossible. With God there is nothing that is impossible. Just, you know, in our own circumstance, our own life, we just had a... Uh, a snafu in our own life, and it was it was a negative snafu, a financial snafu, a, a yucky snafu, and uh, and I'm not going to give the glory to Craigslist. I'm going to give the glory to God. But you know, I made a Craigslist call. God can use all sorts of things, right? So I'm looking for somebody to help me through a difficult time, and I'm telling you. Uh, this guy shows up like an angel from heaven. How many of you know God's got an angel from heaven for you? In every difficulty, God has provision. In every difficulty, God has provision. 
And, and, and when we worship him in the midst of difficulty, provision is seen. That's the story of Genesis 22. The story of Genesis 22 is, is God says to Abram, do you still love me with all of your heart? You, uh, uh, you've got Isaac now. It looks like you've got everything you ever wanted, everything you ever dreamed of. It, it seems like the promise has come true to you. Do you love me with all of your heart? Am I still your favorite? What if he's asking you that this morning? In every situation, is he still your favorite? And, uh, and so Genesis 22, Abram goes up on the mount, up on Mount Moriah, and he obeys the, the leading of the Lord to present Isaac back to God because this is the greatest gift he's ever received. And so he's presenting Isaac back to God, and, and God says, Wow, I'm still your favorite. And immediately there's a ram there caught uh, in what's called a thicket in the King James Version. You know, the, the ram is caught up in the bushes right there at, at the altar of sacrifice. And God says, uh, grab that ram, sacrifice that ram. And he reveals himself to him in that moment as Jehovah Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, as we say it in the English, the God who provides. Come on, say it with me. God provides. Say it with me, God provides. Say, in my situation, even what's coming this week, even every negative thing I haven't seen yet, Father will provide. God will provide. He's more than enough. Oh, he he just wants you to keep honoring him. As you keep honoring him, you keep worshiping him, you keep looking to him, you keep making it known. It's great to make it known that that he is number one in your life. I mean, that's powerful. That's cool. it, It works in marriage too. You know, I know you said that you loved her 20 years ago and if you changed your mind, you'd let her know. But it, but it's, it's good also in marriage and it's good in this romantic relationship too that we keep telling him that we love him, that we make it the, the overflow of our heart, the fruit of our lips. Did you know that's the, that's the praise that he is That's the offering, that's the sacrifice that he's the most pleased with is the fruit of your lips, the offering of your lips. And I'm telling you, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, shows up in the midst of calamity or test or tribulation or challenge or difficulty, and he will make himself known. Amen? Wow. Um, well, we should get to the sermon. Uh, I want to talk about the blind leading the blind. You know, if the blind lead the blind, they, they both fall in a ditch. You ever played, you ever played pin the tail on the donkey? Uh, have you, have you ever, you know, as the kids were growing up, we would, you know, we would play all sorts of games with them. And a lot of these games were blind-oriented, right? They're blindfolded. Did you ever cheat in one of those games when you were growing up? Just be honest right now, confessional. Hands up everywhere. Thank you for being honest. I, I, I won. 
Yeah, when I was like nine years old, I went to a friend's birthday party, and, uh, and, and I won a game by cheating, by peeking through the blindfold. Oh, my word, my conscience smote me for weeks. I was like, I just felt like such a terrible sinner. I kept the prize, but I enjoyed that prize all the way to the altar and just played with that thing many times. But nonetheless... But, you know, it, it, some of the best, you know, funny videos actually are people trying to smash the pinata. Have you seen some of that? You know, and somebody will wind them up really good and then send them toward the pinata, and then they'll be so dizzy they'll, you know, they'll fall or something. But if the blind lead the blind, I, I was thinking today about how privileged we are. How privileged we are in that that God has revealed his light to us. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus, and, and light speaks of hope. Light speaks of joy. Light speaks of life. And he is the light of the world. And God has signified or God has shown or revealed Jesus from the beginning of time until his coming. And that's what I was thinking about, is that we have a sure salvation that has been manifest, that has been shown forth, that has been signified by the law and the prophets. That that we aren't here just because somebody invited us to church and we were bored and the VFW hall we didn't qualify for and the pancakes at the Elks Club weren't that great and other Sunday morning activities weren't wonderful and so we decided we would go ahead and go to a church sometime and, and, you know, it was pretty great and pretty good and they had refreshments afterwards at the Connect reception and so we decided we would join. We're actually here because God from the very beginning of time in every generation has been sending forth a light of prophecy, a light of indication, a light of prediction, a light of clarity. He has been in every generation identifying that his salvation would come, him who would redeem, him who would restore, him who would restore us back to him. And who would restore the earth? Hallelujah. So I want to talk about some of that this morning. You're giving me some warm water. We will make it through. Hallelujah. Because the prophecies, the prophecies of Jesus, and we call them prophecies, but these were really predictions. These were announcements. These were like epiphanies. These were like glimpses. They go all the way back to the beginning. They go back to the fall. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, when, when Adam and Eve are found by God, he comes not in condemnation, but he comes to repair a broken relationship. And when he comes to repair this broken relationship, then he says, he announces that the seed of Eve, that the seed of Eve will destroy the serpent, the oppressor, the deceiver. Isn't that an amazing thing? Isn't that a great thing? Is that one warm? 
I like warm. Oh, that's good. Give that man a hand. Hallelujah. So that's Genesis 3 and 15. Can I read it to you? The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life, and I will put enmity. That's warfare. That's conflict. Between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. That's the seed, the seed of woman. The seed of woman will smash the head of the serpent. He starts with this prophetic announcement way back in the garden in the first breach of relationship, and then he's announcing the Messiah all the way through. In every generation, prophetic voice after prophetic voice, generation after generation, even using the Gentiles, he's announcing the Messiah, using using the system that he set forth under Moses that we know to be the tabernacle system and the feast, all of the spring feast. A picture of the Messiah is in those feasts. Let's look at a couple other verses. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, and this is to Abram, who became Abraham. Now the Lord God said to Abram, this is verse 1, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse. And in you, or in your seed, the translation says, in your seed will all the families of the earth be blessed. You know what? Jesus was the seed of Abram. Matthew is careful about this right away in chapter 1 to identify that Jesus is of the seed of Abraham and he is of the seed of David. It's very clear, and it was traced back 14 generations. And you see that in Matthew chapter 1, 14 generations. He lays out the generations to show that Jesus came through the lineage of Abraham, through the lineage of Jesse, through the lineage of... Of David. Look at Genesis 49.10. It says here that he would be a descendant of Judah. A descendant of Judah. Judah is one of the 12 sons of Jacob. And Jacob's expiring and he's getting ready to pass on and he's blessing his sons. And, and Ephraim and Manasseh had been brought into that tribe and recognizes sons, the sons of Joseph. And so there's 12 now, and he's getting ready to bless them, and he's laying hands on them. He's declaring the patriarch blessing over them. And as he does this, and, you know, this is the kind of cool thing, that God interrupts things that just appear to be natural, things that just appear to be natural. You know, sometimes he'll interrupt you too. Hallelujah. Have you experienced that? You're just praying or you're just saying something and all at once you sense that the Holy Spirit is doing something special with you in that instance. And here Jacob is. He's just declaring something over the sons and and we see God interrupting with a holy interruption. And he says in verse 10 of Genesis 49, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet 
until he comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nations is his. That's interesting. Because out of Judah came Jesse, out of Judah came David, out of Judah. And we see the lineage all the way through. And this is God. This is God saying essentially to the nations, to the Gentile nations. But also he's saying to Israel, he is giving light to us. He's actually establishing light. So it's not the blind leading the blind. It's the illuminated leading those who receive light. We have received light because scriptures have declared in generation after generation that this is he who would be the light to the nations. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm thinking of the other, I'm thinking of so many other, and we're here today celebrating, so I'm, I'm preaching to the choir because here we are, but I want you to have this deep abiding confidence that you're not here by accident, nor have you gathered to something that is not signified and verified and authentic, but you've gathered to something that from the beginning of humanity to today, the same God has watched over it to reveal his Messiah, his redemptive salvation, and that same God loves and cares about you, that you are the apple of his eye. And just as sure as the morning star has risen, he's risen over you. He's risen over you. Isn't that amazing? Psalm 133, 11 says that he would be a descendant of David. This was prophesied somewhere around 626 B.C. Now, you've got to remember that that first prophetic word, that first prophetic word back in Genesis 3 goes back like 4,500 years before Christ came. God started talking about the lamb that would be slain from the foundation of the world. Maybe 3,500 years before Christ came, he's talking to Abraham and telling Abraham, it's through your seed. And Paul looking back on that and scripture after scripture looking back on that, like Paul in, in Galatians 3 and Galatians 4 says, and that seed is Christ. Because that seed being one, not many, that seed that came as the promised one has provided life to all of us and we enter into his life. He's provided salvation to us and we enter into his salvation. He's provided forgiveness of sin so that we could have relationship restored with Father. Come on, is that the coolest thing ever? You have relationship with your Father. Psalm 133.11, he will be a descendant of David. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. Isaiah 11, I love this one, Isaiah 11. We quote this one around Christmas time. He will be a descendant of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. Listen to it out of verse 1. A shoot will come up out of the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. 
By the way, you know what the fear of the Lord is? It's not just fearing the Lord, but the anointing that rested on Jesus that is the fear of the Lord is like the dread of the Lord. In other words, his enemies dreaded him. The fear of the Lord was on him. It's like when Israel came to Rahab, and do you remember they, spent, they sent the spies to Rahab uh, in the city of Jericho. They sent the spies into Rahab, and they, they said that we are now going to cross over, and, and God is sending us into the promised land. Remember that? And then Rahab helps the spies, and, and she lets them down, and then she says, remember me when you cross over, and there will be a scarlet thread hung out on the wall at my window, and remember my family in Sparrows. You remember that story? Remember what she says? She says to them when they came, she says, where have you been? You're 40 years late. She said, when we heard of you coming out of Egypt 40 years ago, our hearts melted like wax. The dread of you, the dread of your God fell upon us and our hearts melted like wax 40 years ago. So so she's like, where have you been? Think about that in your own personal life. That the God of all gods has made his abode in your heart. That the enemy, that the enemy dreads your arrival in any location. The same fear of the Lord that rested on the lineage of Jesse, Jesus, Yeshua, the Christ, the Messiah, the same fear, the same dread of God that rested on him now rests on you. Did you know that? Oh, this is not the sermon, but it's good. Come on, a little side, a little side hors d'oeuvre sometimes, you know, when you're diving into the turkey and the dressing and olive here and there is pretty good. Sometimes just a bite of cranberry sauce. Mix it in, mix it in, mix it in. Come on. Because if you don't know, if you don't know that the empowering grace of the Holy Spirit in your life has now caused you to be one who carries the dread of God in your very being, that when you come into a situation, when you come into a conversation, when you come into a room, it's not the people that should fear. We're not, our battle is not with people, by the way. How many of you know our battle is not with people? Our struggle is not with people. That, we're in love with people. Anybody in this building in love with people? But the influence of darkness in any situation will bow when you know who you are and you walk in that confidence in Yeshua. So it says it's about him in Isaiah 11. And by the way, this was a prophetic prediction, and wasn't it true? Wasn't it true? Read, read the book of Mark. You want just story after story? This stuff's better than television. Read the book of Mark. And he just walks into a room, and the demons start cowering, right? And people start freaking out, and people who are oppressed by spirits, and, and people who are sick due to spirits, and, and all of this stuff starts happening, right? 
And it's happening because the greater one in him and upon him came in the room with him. And when that essence of God, the Holy Spirit, came in the room with him, then the demonic powers retreated, relinquished, and gave up. Now, that same Holy Spirit, that was, that was a verification of what Isaiah said. He's going to walk in wisdom. He's going to walk in counsel. He's going to walk in might. And he's going to walk in and with the dread, the fear of God on his life, the dread of the Lord. Come on, say, I receive that. Hallelujah. Lord, we just declare, uh, we just declare right now over problems, issues, difficulties in your people that are right now being fueled, empowered by negative, unclean, demonic forces, those forces bow. They retreat. They have to go. They have to go. They have to go. Come on, concerning your family members, they have to go. They have to go. The greater one in you, the greater one on you comes into the room. The greater one in you and the greater one on you, when you pray, when you say, when you get into agreement with God's word over your circumstance, you release the power of the greater one, and it's the power of dread. And you know what? Right now, even with Rahab, even right now with Rahab, the, the enemy or your circumstance could be, could be saying, where did you go? Maybe your circumstance is saying, where did you go? With them, that power was theirs 40 years earlier. When they came out, they were to go into the promised land. With you, that power is yours as a resource to lean into. Yes? Hallelujah. All right, we're done with that hors d'oeuvre. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he'll give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. He will slay the wicked. Wow. Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah has a lot to say about the Messiah. Isaiah Isaiah had many, many predictive epiphanies and insights about the Messiah. And again, this is hundreds of years before the Lord came. Chapter 7, verse 14 says that he will be born of a virgin. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. These are signs. You know why these signs were given? Generation after generation, God was preparing the way. In Isaiah 40, he says, prepare the way of the Lord. It is illumination. It is revelation. It is epiphany. It is prophetic utterance. It is, it is the goodness of God that he would reveal his Messiah, that he would reveal his salvation to Israel in generation after generation, that when he arrived, he would be recognized. 
Did you know that many recognized him when he arrived? Many recognized him when he arrived. Not all were blind because some were familiar. Did you know we, we can get led into things that we shouldn't get led into if we aren't familiar with truth, if we aren't familiar with light, if we aren't familiar with the word, when we're familiar with the word. And so those who were familiar, and two in particular were talked of, spoke of uh, immediately, Uh, And that was Anna and Simeon, and they recognized the Messiah immediately. Let's let's read about this a little bit, because I think this is a really cool thing. Uh, According to Luke 22, Luke 22 through 24, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. So this is, this is like a first fruits or a firstborn presentation. Every firstborn shall be designated as holy to the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This is based out of Leviticus 12. So this is, this is a firstborn offering. And so they're at the temple, and the family's approached by a man named Simeon. And he's been told by the Holy Spirit that he will not die until he's seen the Messiah. Isn't that cool? This is a guy who loves the Lord. He, he loves Jehovah. He's waiting on the Messiah. He's praying. He's probably been stirred by the Holy Spirit to pray for the Messiah. He's probably even been praying some of the messianic promises that we've been reading out of Isaiah, out of Amos, out of Hosea, out of Micah. Micah says he's going to come out of Bethlehem. There's all of these scriptures uh, uh, that tell he's going to be a Nazarite. He's going to come out of Bethlehem. And and, and so he's been praying. He's been waiting. And it says that Simeon takes Jesus in his arms and praises God. This is what he says. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Isn't that cool? That's Luke 2, 28 through 32. He's seen the Messiah. He pronounces his own memorial service. All right, time to go home. It's been fulfilled. Isn't that the coolest thing ever? The promise that he had been praying for has been fulfilled. And then Anna approaches the Holy Family. She too recognizes Jesus as the Messiah, but she's got a little different reaction. She says, at that moment, this is what's recorded in Luke 2, at that moment she came and began to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Think about it, the atmosphere, the, the, you know, the atmosphere of Israel, the atmosphere of 
of the Jewish people for 400 years. They haven't heard a prophetic word. This is, the, this is called the intertestamental period. There's been an absence of, of prophecy, an absence of a visitation of God for 400 years. And, and so many of them are praying, God, we need a revival. God, we need a fresh touch from you. God, we need a visitation. God, would you send your Messiah? And many of them are being prompted by the prophecies, even some of the prophecies with Daniel, because they recognize this is the fourth kingdom and, and, and there's something going on here because there's been so many things fulfilled. And so many who were seeing the light of Scripture, they weren't being led blindly. They saw the light of Scripture and there was a clear delineated path. God had been setting out clue after clue after clue that now is the time. Now is the time. And so, so Anna, Anna, it's in that moment that, that she, you know, she just gets all prophetic. At this moment, and she came, she begins to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. According to Luke, she's 84 years old, and she does not want to die. Like the disciples who will follow her, she is driven to bear witness to what she has seen. Mary is the first to have the good news announced to her when she received that prophetic visitation for conception by the angel. But Anna is the first woman to understand fully what's happening here and to proclaim the good news, the good news that God is now releasing and announcing his salvation. Anna is called a prophetess. She's called a prophetess. She's the only woman in the New Testament to be explicitly described as a prophetess. And she announces the good news that Jesus is salvation. According to Luke, Anna never left the temple. This is verse 37 of chapter 2. She never left the temple but worshiped there with fasting and prayer day and night. She had been waiting for this moment. She had been praying for this moment. And we don't know what that period of time had been, but God had been preparing her heart. She had been carrying something in her heart. And this tells me something too, just just another olive or maybe some cranberry sauce for you. You know, what has God put in your heart that you are to carry in prayer? And you're thinking, nobody else has that. Nobody else has that word. Nobody else has that conviction. Why, why in the world do I have to go down there and pray? Why, why do I have to? Why, why does he want me to get up and do such and such? And, and even as we're coming into, you know, this brand new season, 2016, you know, what would God be stirring you with? God was stirring Anna with something special. And now for a long period of time, she hadn't even left the temple, but she was daily there fasting and in prayer. And now God rewards her with her eyes seeing the fulfillment of what he put in her heart. Hope to the nations, light to the Gentiles, salvation to the people. And part of this is because she had been, she had been a student. She had been one who had looked at the hints, the illumination, the light, the pathway that God had revealed in generation after generation. And we live in the light of that. We're not here in some just abstract religious system. We're not here just 
pursuing this Jesus character who some say rose from the dead. We are here because from the very beginning of time, in every generation, God has released enough light that it wasn't the blind leading the blind. It was the illuminated leading the illuminated. And in every generation, for those who would pursue, those who would listen, those who would pay attention, those who would look, they would find the light that would lead them to pass that torch of illumination to the next generation. And it was building generation upon generation until Galatians 4 says, the fullness of time came to where Jesus would come, born of a virgin, as salvation a light to the nations, redemption, the source of restoration, restoring us to God, restoring God to us, restoring the earth through us. Let's stand this morning. Come on, just where you're at, if you would, I, I just, just as you stand and get comfy and in place, if you just... I want you to just meditate on his goodness for a moment. Hebrews chapter 1 says that Jesus is the full representation of Father. Think about that. Jesus himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I I, I, I just, I want you to think about how good your Father is right now. What a good mood he is in toward you even though you still are a bit of a mess. He is so gracious. He is so compassionate. He is so merciful. He is so loving. He is so forgiving. And he reveals this in Jesus. In that Jesus continued in his ministry to love and to give and to heal, and he never sought to qualify those who were receiving Isn't that amazing? He didn't require perfection or righteousness before he loved, before he manifested the presence or the goodness of Father. This is his heart toward you today. Would you close your eyes all across the auditorium just for a moment? I want you to let his light pour in. We don't understand light very well. Light travels at such an amazing speed. It's so powerful. We're healing with light now. We're doing surgeries with light now. Light is so amazing. There was so much light compiled in every one of those prophetic epiphanies, those prophetic hints, those prophetic revelations. There was so much light. That light upon light upon light upon light upon light generation to generation the synergy the composite power of that light of the revelation of him who was coming was thrust into the earth 2,000 years ago that the true light would come that the true light would come and John said we've we've touched that light We've received of that light. He's bringing hope to you right now. He's bringing empowerment. He's bringing grace to you right now. 
John 3:17 said he didn't come into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. See, we already have experienced enough condemnation. As Chris was saying, there's already thicker than margarine on toast on a Sunday morning, shame, condemnation spread across humanity. All of us have to deal with it. And we're lost without him. There's no hope without him. There's nothing we can do to get good enough to become victorious in life without him. It's his light. It's his love. It's the forgiveness that's ours through him. It's lifted the shame, lifted the condemnation, lifted the hopelessness, lifted the fear. 365 fear knots in the word of God, one for every day. It's interesting that we move from being one who feared into being one who is now dreaded. Dreaded. Sleep is good, but the enemy doesn't like it when you wake up. Because you are one who is dreaded. You're like an Emmanuel. Because his spirit now dwells in you. Holy Spirit, we just invite you now to just touch our hearts. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come as we close. If you're here this morning wanting to just commit your life to him, draw near to him, get closer to him, you're here maybe to reaffirm that he is number one in your life. I talked about Abraham out of Genesis 22. Abraham was given a great promise and he was given the things he had even prayed for. But Father still loves to hear that he's number one. Maybe that's your situation this morning. You feel and know that this is a good moment to affirm that God is number one, that Jesus is number one. Would you come all across the room this morning? Your love is the greatest Christmas gift that he could receive. And it's so fun that we could give back to him in a season where we celebrate his goodness. If you're here this morning believing for a family, believing for your family, the dread of God is on you. The dread of God is on you. Light is with you. Grace is yours. I'm going to declare a benediction over you. I want you to just keep pursuing him in prayer. Some of you are here making your hearts right with him. You even came in today just unsure of your own place before him my sins forgiven I'm on my way to heaven oh what a great season to draw near to him in relationship and to receive from him 
Father, we bless you today. We bless you today. We say, light come. Light come. We welcome the light of Jesus to course through our bodies, to quicken our mortal bodies, to be the glory and the lifter of our heads. We welcome the light of Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. If you're new this morning or newer, we want to see you back at the Connect reception. Merry Christmas to you. God bless you, church.